Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello everybody and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with StevenMedia.com's John Harlow as we bring you another great episode of Talking in Circles. We will break down Jimmy Johnson's 82nd career NASCAR Sprint Cup Series. There, I did it. Net Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series win at Bristol Motor Speedway on Sunday. It was the 11th time he's won back-to-back races. Also, we'll preview this weekend's race at Richmond, Toyota Owners 400. Is this the week Joe Gibbs Racing will find victory lane? We'll discuss that, but first, we'll talk about the news of the week. Dale Earnhardt Jr. announcing his retirement on Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday afternoon, announcing his retirement from the NASCAR, uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series at the end of the 2017 season. What were your initial thoughts, John Harlow, when you heard about the announcement? Were you shocked? I mean, to me, it wasn't a big shock because of the head injuries, but I thought for sure he'd want to finish out the, you know, another contract. But he, he won't. He'll finish out his contract here at Hendrick Motorsports at the end of 2017. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. is retiring. What are your thoughts? I think I was more shocked at the timing, not of the actual announcement. I think Jr. and as he said in his press conference, I mean, we talked about it a lot in the off season. Junior wants to get back in the car. I think he wanted to prove that he could get back in the car. But uh, as you've seen the way he's run the first seven races of the season, he's back in the car in name only. He hasn't really run well. He hasn't really done anything spectacular. He doesn't have a top five yet. So <clears throat> he was there to say that he did it. And he wanted to go out on his own terms. I mean, if you look, Dale Jr., is a cash cow. He is Danica Patrick on steroids. Um, Nationwide is paying Hendrick Motorsports more money to sponsor the 88 than they paid for the entire Xfinity series and probably what Sprint or uh, Monster Energy is playing for the Cup Series. So Junior's a cash cow. Rick Hendrick, as we knew when he signed at Hendrick Motorsports, after he lost his father, Rick Hendrick sort of became a second dad to him. And when Rick lost Ricky, um, Junior became even more important to Rick Hendrick's life. And everybody thought whenever Junior said he was going to leave DEI, everybody was picturing him going to Childress into the three car. And that way he'd follow in and he wanted to be his own man. And he went to the guy who was like another father to him. And like I said, the timing kind of surprised me being this early in the season that he made the decision a month ago and they wanted to talk to the sponsors and everybody first before they made the announcement. But I think it gave Hendrick Motorsports the best chance to find the right driver to take the spot. They wanted to make sure the sponsors knew that if they were going to re-up, it wasn't going to be with Junior. It was going to be with somebody else and try to make it the best possible way for Hendrick Motorsports to move forward. Listen, I agree. I think it was an interesting time. I think, um, to me, I would have done it on the off weekend. And I know people are going to say, well, you know, I would have done it on the off weekend. You're only a week away from it. Um, I think this really affects 
the team going into Richmond. I think this is a huge distraction coming to the racetrack on Friday. I know he sat there, and I'll give him credit. He sat there for an hour. Him and Rick Hendrick, and they answered every question they possibly could, probably because they didn't want to answer any more questions at the racetrack. I know Dale did, he even did an interview this, this morning on SiriusXM NASCAR Radio, probably so it's not as big as a distraction, but it's going to be. It's going to be a distraction. The biggest name in, Na- in NASCAR is retiring, and this kind of puts a little bit of, you know, something else on the team's plate. It's going to be a busy weekend at Richmond anyway, like it always is at the racetrack, and there's something else that these teams have to answer for, these teams that this team has to think about. And it just, to me, would have been better if you sat there and let it sort of simmer for a week, I guess, and then go into Bristol and have it happen. But it is what it is, and it's not going to affect the team as far as the season goes. Uh, more than it would have if they announced it a week earlier. But I just thought they could have kind of sat there and said they announced it a couple of weeks ago. Maybe the Ducks weren't in a row yet. He hadn't told anybody yet. He hadn't told – maybe he hadn't told any of his parents yet. He wanted to go down to Texas and do that because I know he spent the off weekend down in Texas. So that could have been it too as well. But um, there's a lot to digest here. And you mentioned Rick Hendrick, you know, that Rick was um, Dale's sort of, you know, second father figure. And you're right. And here's what Rick Hendrick had to say about – Dale's retirement, and, and what kind of effect it's going to have on Hendrick Motorsports. Dale, Kelly, and his family, they're, they're more to me than just a race car driver. He's uh, like a son, and we've had, I don't know, for many, many years, a tremendous relationship. And um, I, uh, I really appreciate what we've been able to do together, and I appreciate the kind of guy you are and what you've done for the sport. That was Rick Hendrick, obviously, on Tuesday. If you missed the press conference, Rick Hendrick on Tuesday there. And, um, you know, you can hear the emotion in his voice, no doubt about it. I think that was something that um, when, you, when you think – I'm sure it's very emotional for Rick Hendrick. Um, you know, you have a guy who, like you said, he, he sort of looked at him as a – they kind of needed each other at that point in their lives when they came there. And I thought originally when Dale was going to leave DEI, I thought for sure Joe Gibbs Racing was a perfect match for him, um, being grown up. You know, Joe Goods Racing had Chevrolet team, and I thought, man, that's a perfect ride. They had J.J. Yaley in the 18. I thought that 18 car was perfect for him. Then they announced they were going to Toyota, and Junior said, nah uh And then all of a sudden it just seemed like Joe, uh, Hendrick Motorsports picked up a little bit of steam. Richard Childress did as well, a little bit, no doubt about it, but I think it was Hendrick Motorsports where everybody kind of pointed to and went right there. That's where he's going to go. Um, I'll get your, your decision, right? I'll get your comments, John, after this, but... You know, let's listen to Junior. This is what's curious is the ultimate reason of why he decided to retire. Here's what Junior had to say on Tuesday. Uh, You're wondering why I reached this decision. It's really simple. I just wanted the opportunity to go out on my own terms. I wanted to honor my commitment to Rick, to my sponsors, uh, to my team, and to the fans. So, John, what do you think? Do you think the head injuries had more to do with this? That anything, I know there was, you know, uh, some writer said it during a press conference, there's three reasons why you retire, and uh, injury is one of them. Do you think the injuries really had a lot to do with this? Well, he said in the press conference had a little bit of everything. I think um, the head injury did, especially with him and Amy getting married on New Year's Eve, and him and Amy want to have children. And he wants to be the active dad that is never really was to him until they were, um, 
grown kids. I mean, Henry sort of our own thing, but Junior was sort of doing his. He'd, he'd go to school, do his thing, but his dad would buy them everything, but the time wasn't there. And Junior wanted, whenever he's a dad, he wants to be the dad that his dad was to him as an adult with his kids growing up. Um, I think Junior showed a lot of class. He he cares about his sponsors. He knows there's a lot of people investing a lot of money in him. He cares about Rick Hendrick because Rick Hendrick, I mean, if you think about it, the trade of Dale Jr. for Kyle Busch was what it really turned out to be because everybody, like you said, picture Jr. going to Joe Gibbs and Kyle Busch being at Hendrick Motorsports forever. And Kyle Busch has won a lot of races, and he won a championship with Joe Gibbs Racing already. And Dale Jr. struggled his first few years, and he finally got competitive and the concussions bit him again. And I think he wants to honor his contract with Rick for sticking, sticking it out with him while he struggled. I think he wants to make sure that Greg Ives is taken care of because if you remember earlier in the season, people are already starting to scream. They need to get Greg Ives off the 88 car. And Junior said, Greg Ives is family. He needs, he needs to be there. I want my team. I'm happy with the team I have. So I think the fact that he isn't running that good right now played a role in it. I think the concussions played a role in it. And I think, He's looking to the next chapter in his life. And that if you look at the way Tony Stewart ran the end of the year last year, he was sort of out the door. After he got the win at Sonoma and he realized he wasn't going to go far in the chase, he was out the door. And he wanted to have fun with his guys. And there was a lot of, I mean, Booger Ravage talked about it on Trade and Paint today. There wasn't a lot of arguing over what the car setup was or whatever. He just wanted to go out and have fun and have a typical race weekend. And I think Junior, it's getting to the point where it's not that fun anymore, and he wants to be able to have a family, have a life outside of the race car. And I think it's a smart decision. I think it's the right decision, and I think he's going to do great with it. 917-889-8280. If you want to join the conversation here on Talking Circle C, I think you hit on two points that are very valid. I, to me, I don't think this has anything to do with his performance in 2017. I mean, he... He told Rick Hendrick right after California of his decision to retire. Um, and to me, that's five races. And, you know, when you start a season off five races, and, and listen, they struggle, no doubt about it. But the accident at the Daytona 500 wasn't his fault. They had a couple of freaky instances that really wasn't the team or his fault. It's just bad racing luck. So I really don't think that was anything that had anything to do with his performance in 2017. I still think he thinks he can drive a race car. He did. Uh, they finished fifth at Texas. They had a very good run there. Um, and I think Hendrick Motorsports was a little bit down compared to where they were a couple of years ago. And I think everybody kind of in that organization kind of knows that, that they need to figure it out. The 48 car has definitely, especially the last two weeks. But I think the first five weeks of the season, you could see sort of Hendrick Motorsports being a little bit of a lull there. So I really don't think 2017 and his performance had anything to do with his decision. I ultimately think it came down to the head injuries. And I think it came down to, like you said, maybe he, maybe Amy's, uh, you know, they want to have a family soon. And he sits there and he goes, I don't need to be at the racetrack all 36 weeks anymore. I don't want to be, I don't want to be doing that. And I'll be an owner. and I'll be at the racetrack when I kind of at my leisure. And you know what? Good for him. I mean, 
this is a long schedule. This isn't the same schedule his father ran all those races with all those years with, or Richard Petty ran all those years with. And I know Richard Petty ran at times 50 races a year and stuff like that. That was a different era back then. Um, right now, you know, we fly on the West Coast more than we ever have. Um, you know, that West Coast swing, you know, and, and we used to run at places like Rockingham two times a year, North Brooksboro two times a year, um, Darlington twice a year. And those tracks are relatively close to home. We don't go there, tw- you know, we go to only one race. So those six races we used to have, we only go there once now in Darlington once a year. So that just shows you the kind of difference we have in this schedule. I think that had a lot to do with it. That he didn't want to be on a road. But I ultimately think it was head injuries. Remember when he stepped out of the car the first time when Regan Smith took over in 2013? Fred Lorenzo's daughter reached out to him and said, hey, you know, you're doing some great things here. Um, my dad's sort of suffering through dementia because of head injuries, we think, is from, ra- from racing. And I want to let you know that, that you're sort of uh, bringing to light a situation that um, not a lot of people are aware of. And I don't think we were aware of the kind of impact that head injuries go happen in racing. And maybe a little bit, he not a little bit afraid, I don't want to use that word, but he's a little gun-shy this year. Maybe he feels that in a race car, and he's not, the same, he's not having as much fun because he's a little gun-shy because of his head injuries. Um, I think that all ultimately is what it has to do with it. I mean... You know, again, I don't think it was 2017 and what he had to do with it, but let me ask you this, Sean, and this is kind of off-base a little bit and kind of crazy, but, you know, we talk about Greg Ives, and Greg Ives is a good crew chief, you know, and Junior's done pretty well with him, but when he had Steve Lathard, I think that's when you can argue those were his best years at Hendrick Motorsports. If Steve Lathard was his crew chief in 2017, do you think Dale Earnhardt Jr. would be making this decision? Yes. I really do. I think Dale Jr., once he got Amy into his life, you saw a different Dale Jr. It wasn't clubby in the basement. It wasn't hangover every day. I mean, he has a life. He's not the 20s part, 20-year-old party boy that he used to be. He's a 42-year-old man who's looking at the idea of becoming a dad. And it's really tough to be a dad if you're not uh, fully functioning, ready to go, able to devote your time to your wife and your child. I mean, there was an article out this week where they were talking to Jimmy Johnson because Fernando Alonso is coming to run the Indy 500. And Jimmy Johnson said he had the deal with his wife that if he ever was going to run Indy, it was before they had kids. Because the chances, the risks are bigger in IndyCar than it is in NASCAR. I mean, you've got a roof over your head. You've got all the technology they've built in. And he said the window's shut because he has children now. He's a father. Junior wants to be a dad. And I think the window shut on his NASCAR career because he wants to be a dad, first and foremost. And I don't care who the crew chief was. It could have been Ray Everham on the box. could have been Steve... Latart, it could have been anybody. It could have been Pops, Tony Uri Sr. Junior would be out of the car at the end of the year. I mean, we speculated last winter, whenever he did get his clearance, whether or not this was going to be the year because it was a contract year. We we both said he was going to probably feel it out and make a decision, but we were thinking June or July. The reason I think it probably came out this week is somebody got wind of it and said, we're going to go with it, and Junior said, Give me a day. Let me announce it myself. 
Maybe. And, and you know, or I think you, you hit the nail on the head wide so earlier, earlier in the year than what we expect is because they need to figure out what they're going to do with this ride. And we'll discuss that in a little bit because it is very interesting. And I have a little bit of a theory here, John, on, on who I think might take over the 88 that not a lot of people are, are uh, I don't think, are seeing right now. But, um, you know, I think you're right. I think in a way you look at it and you say, listen, um, he, if he made a decision for the head injuries, it wouldn't matter if Steve Letarte was a screw chief or not. Um, I think he would have a better chance of winning the championship in 2017. And it's not anything that Greg Ives has done. I just think the mojo between and, and the, the uh, communication between Dale Jr. and Steve Letarte were was was the best he ever had. Um, I think it was even better than, than Pops Yuri for a while. Um, you know, to me, that to me is, is what ultimately – um, is what put him out was the head injuries. I really believe that. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. If you want to join the conversation on talking in circles, John, been a lot of talk on social media this week. I've noticed about his Hall of Fame status. What are your thoughts? Do you think Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a first ballot Hall of Famer? Do you think he even belongs in the Hall of Fame? What are your thoughts on that whole situation? Well, earlier we talked about this a couple years ago, and I was sort of against it. Because if you think he's got so many restrictor plate wins, and a lot of that is where you actually are at the time. But the more you look at it, over 2,000 drivers have tried to become a NASCAR, have tried and raced in the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series. Only 30 have won 26 races. And everybody who is eligible for the Hall of Fame who've won at least 26 races who are eligible for the Hall of Fame are in it. With those numbers, that category, two Xfinity Series champions, championships, I think he's in. <clears throat> and not just because of what he did on the track. I think what he's done off the track. Dale Jr. was the ambassador for the sport when we lost his dad. He didn't really want it. It just happened because he had the same name. So a lot of the three fans became eight fans back then. And he's done so much for the sport. He's the 14-time most popular driver. I mean, he'll sign every autograph. He doesn't – he gives back to the community. He does good things for the sport. I think Dale Jr. is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's in for sure. Whether he goes first ballot or not, it doesn't matter. Because if you're in the second, if you go the second year, guess what? When you sign your name, you're still Dale Earnhardt Jr. HOF. So once you're in, once you're in, you're in. Nobody's going to say, "Well, you're only a second ballot Hall of Famer. You're not as good as a first ballot guy." Guess what? I'm still in the Hall of Fame. You're not. Go to hell. That's how it always works. Uh, But I think Dale Jr. is a Hall of Famer. There's a lot of guys we've talked about who we think should be like, for example, Davey Allison, just imagine what Davey Allison would have been able to do if he lived Tim Richmond, just imagine what he would have been able to do if he didn't get HIV AIDS. And back to our earlier topic where we were talking about the head injuries, it was really interesting that Jerry punch was the NASCAR legends feature with Moody tonight and how many drivers he worked on and helped be able to get in the car when they had no business being in a car. 
And the one thing that's nice about the sport as it is now, Daryl Waltrip won 84 races. Daryl Waltrip won less money in NASCAR than Jimmy Spencer and just a little bit more than J.J. Yaley. Daryl Waltrip was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Daryl Waltrip was the face of the sport for a while. And Jimmy Spencer earned more money in NASCAR than Daryl Waltrip. And Daryl went in on a hoist one time because his femur was fractured so bad that they still had the rods and everything going through it, but he had to start the car so he could get the money. And that's just the difference of the culture now. Junior was able to step out because Dale Jr. has more money than you, me, and 30 of our relatives combined will ever dream of earning. And he had that ability. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. not just took the sport into the 21st century with his popularity being the face of the sport. He changed the sport when it comes to how injuries work. The reason that you can miss a race and still make the, make the playoffs was because they looked at Dale Jr.'s concussion the first time and said if he would have earned a spot, he could have been in the chase. I think that's the reason NASCAR changed that rule. Absolutely. I think he had a lot to do with it. And he had a lot to do with the concussion awareness, like we discussed earlier. Um, I do think he will get all of him. I think he's deserving of it. Because I think when you look at it, you have to, it depends how much you weigh on as far as a championship is concerned. Um, he, that is the one glaring thing missing from his resume. How much do you hold up the Daytona 500 championship, two of them, in this era with the restrictor plates? Do you do? You, and listen, he was a very, very good plate racer. I don't think anybody. I think he was a great plate racer. I should take that back. I think he was a great plate racer. I don't think anybody will try and argue that. But everywhere else, he wasn't great. He was a very average driver. But like I said, what, like you said, ambassador for the sport. Uh, what he did off the track, I think, is is something that will definitely lead him right into the first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you know, it's a, have there been better drivers? Absolutely. I think this era has. Had a had a lot better drivers, and they'll all be Hall of Famers. And this is where I look at it. You know, the all Hall of Fame is still very, very uh, new. And when you look at the Baseball Hall of Fame, you have to wonder, like, how many percentage of players uh, ever ever played in baseball are going to the Hall of Fame? Well, how many percentage of race car drivers that ever raced in NASCAR are going to the Hall of Fame? And Junior's in that top echelon where he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I believe that, and I think there's you know, 15 guys, 20 guys from each era that will get in. Um, and Junior's going to be one of them from this era, no doubt about it. 917-889-8280, if you want to join the conversation, I'm talking circles. Okay, John, um, next topic is this 88 car. Who do you think Rick Hendrick will hire? There's a lot of speculation. Alex Bowman's a name a lot of people keep throwing out there because, well, he, he replaced Junior last year with injuries. Um also, William Byron, he's a Hendrick Motorsports development driver. A lot of people kind of throwing that name out there. Uh, Dale Jr. mentioned a lot in his press conference, a lot. He mentioned Kyle Larson. He mentioned Kyle Larson more than he mentioned Chase Elliott, which led a lot of people to think that maybe Kyle Larson is a candidate for the 88 car. Um, who do you think, John? Do you think it's one of those three we just mentioned? Who do you think has an opportunity to drive this 88 car in, 27, in 2018 after Jr. retires? Nobody's driving the 88 car in 2018. 
it's going to be the 25 again. I think Rick's going to let the 80, he's going to keep the number and he's going to let it sit there. He'll pay for the number the same way Richard Childress paid for the three forever. And he'll buy the number from NASCAR or rent the number for the year. And it's not going to be the 88. It's going to be the 25. <clears throat> I think Bob Parkers had a pretty interesting article up when it came to who can fill the seat. I think Kyle Larson's about to be a very, 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 very rich boy. And I don't know if he's going to fill the seat. I think it's going to be a bidding war between Stuart Haas Racing and Hendrick Motorsports for the services of Kyle Larson. And nobody knows when his contract runs out with Chip Ganassi because Chip never says when the contracts are done. But I think it's going to be a bidding war between Stuart Haas Racing and Hendrick Motorsports for Kyle Larson's services. And Gene Haas can buy Rick Hendrick. <clears throat> Money's no object when it comes to that. Gene Haas has, had a ho- has a hobby of F1 racing. So, you know, that's a possibility. I think William Byron, the reason they hired him, I think, is to replace Casey Kane. I think William Byron's still another year away. He's running well in the Xfinity Series right now. But if you look at history of how Hendrick Motorsports operates, he doesn't bring somebody up in a year. Chase Elliott did two years in the Xfinity series and Casey Kane was struggling the first year and Chase won the championship his rookie year in the Xfinity and Rick Hendrick had him do a second year just to make sure it wasn't a flash in the pan. I think William Byron is set up to go into that five car in 2019 and junior even said he has three of his four drivers signed for 2018 and all um, uh, Michael Annette come with sponsorship. <clears throat> so the driver in question that I think isn't signed for 2018, believe it or not, is Elliot Sadler. They had to struggle to get uh, one main to continue uh, sponsoring his car. So I think Elliot Sadler is the one who's questionable whether he comes back in 2018 at Junior Motorsports. I think William Byron's going to be there another year. That brings us to Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman's had a lot of offers from other people to go run Xfinity, go run trucks. And he decided, no, I have a deal with Hendrick Motorsports. He does a lot of simulation driving. I mean, he's in a simulator doing his job. But the hope is there that he goes into that ride. He ran great with Greg Ives. They communicated well together. It's whether or not Rick Hendrick can get the sponsorship for him. But the one name that Bob Parker's put out there that surprised me and probably the surprise name you were getting ready to say, Matt Kenseth going into that car for a year or two or three to make sure the young guys are ready. It'll put you a a really good name in the car. It could probably, with Rick Hendrick and the team going out there, getting really good sponsorship. Matt Kenseth won the Rookie of the Year the year Junior came in because him and Junior came in together. And he's a cup champion. I think that would be a possibility, but I really think if they can get the sponsorship together, Junior's going to push for Alex Bowman because Alex did a great job filling in for him. I mean, Junior let Alex Bowman run the, um, the clash at Daytona. So I'm thinking Alex Bowman's probably one. A surprise of Kenseth would probably be two, and I think Byron is the replacement for Casey Kane in 2019. 
Right? Listen, I agree with a lot of what you said, especially Byron. I think Byron, they got their eye on, like you said, replacement of the five car. Um, I don't think they expect him to be ready after one year of trucks and one year of Xfinity. Um, I definitely think Byron is a long shot. Bowman, it's going to be hard to sell spot. I think it's going to be hard to sell nationwide, Exalt, and everything else on that 88 car with him. He's a good kid. I think he's a good driver, um, but he doesn't have the resume yet. He really doesn't. He doesn't have the wins. He doesn't have even the wins in Xfinity or truck to sort of build that resume um, and sort of get the momentum his way. And I think that'll be a hard sell. But I'm going to say this, John, and you're right. I I was going to mention Matt Kenseth. Right now, to me, in my eyes, he's the front runner. He hasn't signed a deal with, with Joe Gibbs Racing yet. This would be make all the sense in the world. You get a guy in here for three years, and it sort of, you know, listen, I think Junior announcing his retirement, it surprised Rick Hendrick. I don't think Rick Hendrick, I think Rick Hendrick fully supports this decision. And I think he says, absolutely, whatever you want to do, Dale. And I don't think he would even push him to come back. But I think it surprised him because I think Rick is a guy who, the reason why he's been successful is he's everything planned years ahead of time. He went and saw William Byron and said, he's good. When my, when a ride opens up in a couple of years, he's going to be my guy I'm going to fill in. Did the same thing with Chase Elliott. They don't have the replacement for Dale Jr. because they didn't expect Dale Jr. to leave. Now he's gone. So it sort of puts you in an interesting situation where you go, where am I going to go? Matt Kenseth is the perfect guy to do that. He's sort of the Mark, fits under the Mark Martin, uh, you know, tree there. He was Mark Martin's teammate at Rash Fenway. He's got the same demeanor. And Mark Martin ran for Hendrick Motorsports at the end of his career and did a very good job. Rick will hire the veteran driver like he did with Mark Martin if he believes he can win and he still wants to win. And I think Matt Kenseth, he has not mentioned the R word at all. And Eric Jones is on a one-year contract with Joe Gibbs Racing, or with uh, Furniture Racing, excuse me. I think there's all the signs in the world that he is going to go through Joe Gibbs Racing in 2018. So if Matt moves, that would open up the 77, which is another discussion for another day. But it's not like Joe Gibbs Racing can't replace Matt Kenseth. So they might sit there and say, if you've got a lot of money, we're going to let you walk. I think Kenseth is a very very possible candidate for this ride. Nine one seven eight nine eight two eight zero. if you want to join the conversation. Lee in Virginia joins us tonight. Lee, what do you want to talk about tonight? I think you guys are running the money here with this conversation about who might take the 88. I like I like the Matt Kenseth scenario. And, you know, I read that same article you did about with Bob Pockers, John, and Larry McReynolds had a quote there at the end of it, and he said, you know, this is going to be sponsor-driven. It's not going to be you know who Rick Hendrick and Dale Earnhardt Jr. want, which is probably Alex Bowman. It's going to be who the sponsors want, and I think also at this time, you know, we know Nationwide and 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 Exalta and the other sponsors that are on Dale Jr. They pay upwards around thirty million dollars for Dale Jr. I, that's not going to happen with Alex Bowman, I can assure you, because he's not proven. He hasn't proven he can win anything yet, in at any level at this level in NASCAR. So. You know, you have to look at, okay, well, can you give me $20 million for Matt Kenseth? Can you give me $25 million for Matt Kenseth? That's the kind of stuff that they're going to have to maneuver here until they get another hotshot young driver. If I were them, I think the, the ideal thing to do is get Matt here from a three-year deal and then sign a, a young driver to replace Matt after that. 
the thing that's really telling about the Kenseth thing is that Circle K press conference. Everybody thought it was going to be a retirement press conference, and it wasn't. And that was the perfect opportunity for Matt to say, hey, I'm out of here, I'm done, you know, with Jones waiting in the wings. And Joe Gibbs said in that presser, but he's like, oh, is Matt coming back next year? Is Matt coming back next year? And Joe's like, oh, we'd love to have him back. Maybe that's because Matt has the upper hand because he's got an offer on the table from Hendrick Motorsports. I think it's possible. Um, listen, I, I'll say this. I think Larson, obviously, is the guy to get if they can get him. Don't know if they can get him. But to me, second on this list, John, is Kenseth. I really believe that. I think it, you know, um, as all the play stoppers, and I don't mean to call Alex Bowman a, a, a stopgap. I don't mean to call William Byron a stopgap because they're good young kids. But of all the other candidates aside from Kyle Larson, Matt Kenseth, I mean, he's, I think he's a better driver than Dale Hart Jr. Um, he doesn't bring the amount of, uh, you know, fan base. He doesn't bring the amount of money. He doesn't bring the amount of stardom around that Dale Jr. does. But I think if you look at driving talent, Matt Kenseth has 38 wins in cup. I think he's a better driver than Dale Jr. And that, they might be better off performance-wise not off the track, but on the track with Matt Kenseth in that car. What are your thoughts, John? I think Matt Kenseth is a phenomenal driver. He's one of those, like you said, he's a Mark Martin type. He's below the radar. The only time he's really ever had the super headlines was the year he won the championship and caused the reason for the chase because he stunk up the show so damn bad. And when he took Joey Logano out at Martinsville. Those are the only two big times that Matt Kenseth has really made headlines. When he moved to Joe Gibbs Racing, it was sort of an afterthought. It wasn't really a big headline. Kenseth leaves Roush for Gibbs. I mean, it's like, okay, he moved to Gibbs. So what? Who's next? Um, I think the idea of sponsor-driven is correct when it comes to who's going to go into that car. It's And, again, this is where I say with uh, Kyle Larson, the bidding war – as much as Rick Hendrick would love to win it, he won't. Tony Stewart wanted Kyle Larson in that 14 car, and it wasn't – they were too deep into the contract, and Ganassi wouldn't sell out that early. But if Larson's contract comes up, Gene Haas has shown he'll run two cars with his own team name on it because Kurt Busch is half Haas Automation, half Monster Energy – and most of the races this season, Clint Boyer's been running a Haas automation car. So Gene Haas will pay for who they want in that car, whether it's sponsor paid for or not. Um, because he's got the sponsorship from, he had the sponsorship from the 10 sitting there, which obviously has evaporated. But I think when it comes to it, Kenseth is a smart move to put in that car. And we'll see if they end up doing it. I mean, if they want to do the the other part they're looking at, and this is, I think you you and me and Lee have talked about it online a few times. What happens if Jimmy Johnson wins his eighth championship and does the mic drop? And says, I want to go skiing and be a dad. I don't think what, at this point, John, he's going to do that. He could. Even if I he mean, wants to. Even if he wants to. I just don't think he'd do that to Rick Hendrick. It would put him in a, in a no-win situation. It would put him in a situation that he wouldn't, Rick wouldn't be able to recover from, in my opinion. And Johnson hasn't signed his contract yet. Yep. It's an interesting scenario, but, you know, again, it's just there's not 
that driver who is ready. Like when Jeff Gordon retired, we knew, okay, Chase Elliott, we probably knew way ahead of time, but he was perfect. He just came off a championship when Jeff announced his retirement, said one more year. It was like, okay, Chase is ready to come. He's ready to go. This is sort of, again, a bad time for Hendrick Motorsports. This came out as sort of a bad time for him. And I think, again, it threw him for a loop. So there's really not that clear-cut favorite for this ride. And that's what makes it so interesting to me. Um, and there's really not a whole lot out there because nowadays you get these the owners and they lock up these kids when they get them. Um, and we have seen a lot of young kids influx into this sport, no doubt about it. Eric Jones, Ryan Blaney, um, Chase Elliott, uh, Kyle Larson, etc. But they're now all in the Cup Series. There's not too many great young superstars aside from Byron that's in the Xfinity series that teams are grooving. You can say Bubba Wallace, but Bubba Wallace hasn't won an Xfinity race yet. Um, you know, but other than that, there's not really that super clear-cut, he's the next big thing. Maybe Christopher Bell, but he's in the truck series, and he's years away. So that comes. that's the reason why it comes at a really, really interesting time um, for Hendrick Motorsports. I think that's a big deal. 917-889-8280, how... Uh, Lee, I'll ask you this quick. What do you think this will do to NASCAR, this announcement? Do you think NASCAR is, you know, when they heard the announcement come down Tuesday, what do you think their reaction was? Do you think they're a little bit nervous about the future of this sport? Absolutely. I I don't know how they couldn't be. I mean, you know, Dale Jr. has been the face here for close to 20 years now, and, you know, ever since Dale Sr. passed away. And they tried with Danica. That missed. And NASCAR hasn't promoted, and I've said this a million times, NASCAR hasn't promoted a superstar since Jeff Gordon. You know, they, didn't, they, they did promote Dale Jr., but most of what happened with Dale Jr. is the fact that his father died and all of his fans went to him. That wasn't really a NASCAR deal. Tony Stewart already had a fan base from, from IndyCar that came with him over to NASCAR, and I'm sure a lot of people just grabbed on there. Um, and so he wasn't he wasn't a young driver that was bred through NASCAR and promoted by NASCAR, in my opinion. He had a, a large fan following. Those guys are gone now. And they haven't done a great job of promoting young drivers. I'm sorry, they haven't. And I'm, I'm sure that they know that better than anybody. Because, you know, I know that people have said this in the past and they've, they've gotten all pissy about it. And that's because it's true. Um, so that, to me, is a big thing. I think the rest of this year, the next, you know, the, the every race for the rest of this year, you're going to see an uptick in attendance, no question about it. Everybody's going to want to come see Dale Jr. in his final race at this track, so-and-so. They've got now to make these awesome shows. They have to make these shows worth coming to it and, and make these fans, you know, enjoy themselves to the point where they go, okay, I want to come back next year. Because if they don't, boy, <laughs> I don't want to see what it's going to be like. I sure hope you know, the, the Bill Elliott, the old Bill Elliott fans can come by and get behind Chase and, and all of that because if they don't, I have no idea where the fan base is even going. They need to promote these young drivers. I know it's great that Dale Jr. is going to retire and you want to promote the hell out of that, and that's going to work short term. But long term, you want to get somebody in here who you want to promote and, and, and get a young driver. And, you know, the Kevin Harvicks are too old now to do that. You know, he's got, what, five, maybe five years left tops. You can't do that with Kevin Harvick. You can't even do that with Kyle Busch. I know he's only 30 years old, but you can't even do that with him. You've got to get a younger driver, Joey Logano, or one of these young kids, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, to be the next face, and you've got to promote it. And if they don't, boy, I, I don't want to see where it's going to be. The one thing that I got, Lee, 
and I've listened to a lot of the radio throughout the week since the announcement. And everybody to a person. Well, Richard Petty retired, and we survived it. And Daryl Waltrip and Rusty Wallace retired, and we survived it. Dale Earnhardt, Daytona, we survived it. The reason we survived after Dale Sr. died was Junior. If you look at it, back then, Jeff Gordon, there were a lot of boo birds for him. He wasn't the popular guy that everybody thought he was. Everybody, I mean, at the end, he turned out to be. But back whenever Jeff Gordon was winning championships, he was the outsider that most of the Southern Rednecks who originally loved the sport were like, this guy ain't one of us. He doesn't belong here. So, but NASCAR promoted him perfectly. They did a great job with him. They have the chance with Chase Elliott. They have the chance with Ryan Blaney. If you remember back in the day, they had the Gillette Young Guns, where they made a big deal out of these five drivers who were coming up, and they were going to be the Young Guns, and they were going to make a big deal. The only one who's still here, I believe, is Newman. But the one name that uh, I was reading in an article, I forget who wrote it, that that is a wild card in going to Junior's car, is Keselowski. I don't think it oh, would I happen. So I I really don't believe it would happen. I think he's locked in with Roger Penske. I think he loves working for the captain. But Junior gave him a start. He was a development driver for Hendrick Motorsports. The thing where I think Keselowski would not go there is because Mr. H gave Mark Martin the last year of his contract, that right. last year of the contract, and Brad said, "Hey, I've waited over here long enough." I've driven for James Finch. I want to race for James Finch. Where's my shot? And it didn't come, so he went to Penske, and great things have happened for him. So, I mean, and I, that's the thing. He's, he's on a ride that he can win a championship with, a year in and year out. I mean, if there was something lacking from that two team, I'd say absolutely. You know, and that's the thing with Kyle Larson is that 42 car, yeah, he's having a really good year, but before this, they haven't been anywhere near the front. That two-car with Brad Keselowski has been near the front every year. They can compete for a championship. You know, last year had some personal issues that really, I think, affected his season. But, listen, that is, to me, I, I mean, there's four drivers. I, 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 you know, I didn't get this, to this point, but there are four drivers who I don't think would take that ride in the situation they're in. I think uh, Harvick wouldn't. I think uh, Bush wouldn't. I think... Um, Logano wouldn't, and I think Kozlowski wouldn't. I really don't think they would leave. Now, I think the other other guy who maybe wouldn't Truex. take that ride is Truex, because I think Truex worked his entire career to get where he is, and he's in an opportunity with a great crew chief to win a lot of races. And to move, it's kind of like, well, so I think Truex is another one who might be in that opportunity. But other than that, I think everybody's fair game. I think Kozlowski is one of those five guys who would not leave. I would let me ask you this, Clay. They have a, and, and John. Stunned. Stunned if Kozlowski left to the right. Let me ask you this, guys. And I, I, I agree with everything. You I don't I don't see why Brad Kislowski would leave. But let me ask you this. Do you think there's pressure from NASCAR towards Rick Hendrick and Brad Kislowski to get that done? Because Junior Nation may back out of this thing if Dale's not there. They would get behind Brad Kislowski because that's the guy that Dale that Dale developed. Do you think NASCAR is telling Rick and Brad, hey, please try and convince Nationwide to get to do this, and let's try and get this done? 
because at least that'll keep Junior Nation because they loved Brad and they still do, even though they try not to admit it, but they do. They don't want to admit they root for a Ford driver with a different team, but they like Brad because of the Dale Jr. connection. And if he was the guy that jumped into the 88, boy, they would jump right on to that. Do you think there's any pressure from NASCAR to get telling Rick and, and Brad, hey, try and get this done for us? It's a lateral. It's not a lateral move. It's a little bit of a step down, in my opinion, for Brad, but it would help keep that fan base. Do you think there's any pressure from NASCAR? I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't think so either. I think I, I think... NASCAR may have a thing in it. They may try to do that. But it's sort of like whenever I said with the bidding war between Kyle Lar- if for Kyle Larson, if it's between Stuart Haas and Rick Hendrick, Gene Haas can buy and sell Rick Hendrick. If there's a bidding war between Brad Keselowski for Brad Keselowski services between Penske and Rick Hendrick, Rick Hendrick would get, can get bought and sold by Roger Penske five times over. Roger Penske has more money than anybody else in this sport. He has more now money than that. You're right. And let me say this. This is the problem here. And it, and Lee, you, you touched on it, and you got, you got you struck a nerve with me. If they, if somehow, and I don't think it's going to happen at all. I don't think they, they even discussed this. But this is what happens when you make the stars of the sport more important than the actual product. I think the reason why we survived after Richard Petty was because the product was good. I think the reason why we survived with Dale Earnhardt Sr., was the product was good. People were watching. We were remember the old mantra, America's fastest growing sport? That's what NASCAR was for twenty five years. They're no longer that. And the scary part is is that the ratings and the attendance are down and they're at lows that we haven't seen in a long time. Um but when you look at the ratings on Sundays and you look at the cities that rate high, um they're on the southeast, North Carolina, South Carolina cities. So you have to wonder if North Carolina's hanging on to the last true purebred North Carolina boy with Dale Earnhardt Jr. and what that's going to do to their ratings. But to me, you could keep Kozlowski in that two car. I think he's a guy who could – he's going to be a superstar in this sport for the next 10, 15 years in that two car. Sell the shit out of that. That's the way I look at it, Lee. Yeah, but, I mean, I think, though, the, the nation needs somebody to root for. And, and, listen, the reason why Dale Jr. didn't take Joe Gibbs Racing over, over 100 motorsports at the time was because of the Toyota thing. And Junior Nation's very, very, very loyal to Chevrolet as well. They would rather root for somebody. That's part of the reason why they won't admit to rooting for Brad Keselowski is because he drives a Ford. Um, and I'm telling you, if he was the guy that replaced the 88, that would keep the fans here. They, they'd latch on to Brad. The one, there still will be some that will leave but the others will latch on to Brad because of that connection. I think it's an interesting little twist in there that we all, we all don't think it's going to happen because why in the world would anybody leave Roger Penske? He's the most loyal car owner in the sport. He's got more money than God. Why would anybody leave that situation? That may be the reason. And if NASCAR's kicking in the money for it, I'm telling you, they may, have a say, they may want to have a say in this because that might save some of the junior nation. I'm telling you right now. I think the best hire there is Kyle Larson, but he's been so loyal to Chip Ganassi. I don't see him leaving unless a sponsor doesn't come through, which I think they're in talks that something they do. I could see Credit One stepping up big time. Um, I don't see him leaving unless a sponsor doesn't come through there. 
I see him staying there. Chip gave him a shot. He's extremely little chip, and they're they're kicking ass and taking names right now. The one that the Kenseth thing makes the most sense to me, and that that press conference at Joe Gibbs Racing really struck a chord for me because if Matt's not going to retire, what's the holdup for the sponsorship? What's the holdup for the for the contract? The sponsorship, the wall is behind Matt Kenseth. So to me, there's really no holdup there other than the fact that maybe Matt's got an offer on the table from somebody else, and Rick and Dale knew about this a month ago. So you know Rick already has things in motion. I'm wondering if that Matt Kenseth deal is in the works already, and he's and Matt's just going to contemplate whether or not he has to leave. Could very well be. Could very well be. I, I You know, we're going to find out. I think we'll find out by June, definitely by July, I think, of who's going to be the replacement and I think the silly season is going to be very interesting because John mentioned Stuart Haas Racing. They're going to, I think they're going to ride open out. I think this is going to be Danica's final year in NASCAR. Um, so I think that 10 car, that 10 charter, whatever you want to call it, is going to be open. I think if Kansas leaves the 20, the 77 will be open um, because I think we all agree that Jones is going to go to Joe Gibbs Racing. So that leaves a couple of different scenarios. And I think the silly season will be playing uh, – a very interesting role in 2017. 917-2017-2018. 917-889-8280 if you want to join the conversation here on Talking Circles. Let's talk about Bristol, John Italy here. Uh, it was Jimmy Johnson's 82nd career victory. He beat out Clint Boyer, Kevin Harvick, Matt Kenseth, and Joey Logano for the victory. I thought it was a very competitive race. Just more short tracks, please. Uh, Larson dominated early, but, uh, you know, just couldn't find his way to the front late. Jimmy Johnson, that team, 48 team, lurked all day. That was the best, I think, race as far as beginning to end. Texas, they ran the good at the end, but beginning to end, that, that the 48 car um, ran all race, John. I think that was the best one. So you got to give credit for him in a great drive. The 11th time in his career he's won back-to-back races. What were your thoughts on Bristol on Sunday? I think it was a good race. I mean, you saw something I – didn't get a chance to see the whole, a whole lot of it. I saw some highlights here and there and watched a little bit online. But the first stage, Larson stunk up the show. But once they got more rubber laid in and the top groove came in, I mean, heck, there was a point where they were running three wide for the lead. And what's the chances of that ever happening at Bristol before? I mean, it was a different kind of Bristol, and it was a really good Bristol. You had Sometimes you had to knock someone out of the way to get to the bottom groove. But then the top came in. It wound up being a great race. I think the two best cars on the track didn't finish the way they should have. Kyle Larson and Martin Truex Jr. were the two best cars on the track that day. Bit them in the ass, both of them. I think it was a smart move at the end if you saw the different tire strategy. Some people took none. Some took two. Some took four. Johnson and Boyer took four, and they were back in the pack, and they came up through it and finished first and second. I think it was a great run for the 14 car. I think it was a great run for the four car because Stuart Haas has struggled through this transition. I think it was a great day for both of those. Uh, Danica and Kurt Busch out to lunch again. But, I mean, it was the best Bristol race we've had in a long time. It was. And I'll tell you this, I, you know, you mentioned Boyer and Harvick. I think that the next three drivers in the top five when you talk about uh, Jimmy Johnson obviously coming off a win at Texas Motor Speedway, but when you talk about Boyer, Harvick, and Kenseth, I think we they all needed a good run this week because Kenseth got off to a slow start. Harvick hasn't been the same Kevin Harvick we've seen in years past, and Boyer we know his past 
I think all three of those drivers really needed to have a good run, and they did this weekend at Bristol. Absolutely. I mean, it's still Bristol. It's still a, you know, a short track, and, and the intermediates is where you're going to have to be to, you know, to win a championship, obviously, is where you're going to have to be good. But how much does momentum carry on? Time will tell. But, yeah, they needed a good run just for points and, and just for the momentum and the points and, and, you know, stage points and all of that. They all needed good runs, and they, did, they got them. So that was a good thing for them. Uh, the Bristol race, you know, the, the low groove, didn't, they didn't, it didn't do what it wanted it to do. I thought it was still a good, good end of the race, but the middle portions of that race were snoozers. And I know that they're tall. I know that there's talk going on right now. I've been told by reliable, reliable sources that there's talk that Bruton Smith may may rip this track up again and, and put it back to the old Bristol because there wasn't a ton of you know as much as people loved the finish of the race that was done partly and, and I've heard this from several people partly because of the tire strategy and guys were on two and guys were on none and guys were on four and that was all because of the stages and, and then the the nice competition caution that they had. Early on in the race, that all played dictated the tire strategy, and they feel like if it wasn't for that tire strategy, um, they may not have had that great great ending of the race. So, as much as it was a great race, and it was to me, Bristol the track still has issues because again they tried to get that low groove to come in, and it did, but people wanted the beating and banging from Bristol, and they still didn't get that. Interesting, very interesting, Lee. Thank you so much for the call, and we'll see you next time here on Talking Circles. You're always a great guest. Um, interesting, you know, I think, you know, it was a, it was a solid race. And, and to get back to the the uh, the finishing order here, you know, I think, listen, I think it's possible Clint Border even goes out and wins this year carrying the momentum. But let's talk about some guys. You mentioned Truex. That's being penalty on pit road killed him. Um, but let's talk about some guys who really struggled John, that was, and this is saying something, because she's had some really bad races and really bad weekends. I think this weekend at Bristol was the worst weekend for Danica Patrick in her entire career. From beginning to end, it was a utter disaster. And it ended in a crash, but no speed in that 10 car. And it was really concerning because the other two cars, or at least two cars at an organization, really ran good. Kurt Busch, another bad weekend. What do you think is going on with the 41 the 10 car uh, over there at Stuart Haas Racing? And do you see maybe, I know he won the Daytona 500, but do you see maybe a change coming to that 41 car? Because it just seems like right now, since Daytona, that 41 car has been awful. I'm not sure um, if they are testing something with the 41. I really think they have to because... Everything Stuart Haas is brand new. So they're probably going Boyer and Harvick to get, to get them where they need to be. And then Bush has a win. So unless something crazy happens, he's going to be in the playoffs. It may put him at a disadvantage in the playoffs by doing the experimentation, but they're learning stuff that'll get them and they'll be able to hit on in the middle of the year and stuff like that. I think that the 41 is an experimental car this year. If you listen to Danica when he was on, she was on with Moody yesterday it sounds like she's got one foot out the door because she said she's not having fun. Uh, they go to the racetrack and they feel like, I mean, she feels like they're terrible. And she even said, if I have to go somewhere else and get another ride, if I'm, if that's the case, I may need to go somewhere else and find another ride because it's not working here. And Tony and Gene Haas are probably in the back saying, please do, please do. We can put somebody good in that car and get it toward the front. But Danica's even said, 
I might need to start looking for something else. It's interesting. And I, and, and she's on her fourth crew chief. If you, if you include um, Greg Zipidelli from when she first started and not to bash her too much, but I just was shocked. I mean, that, you know, she's had some rough weekends before, but to me that was her worst weekend in the cup series. No doubt about it. A couple of drivers I want to give a shout out to for really, really good runs. Solar Ash boys, again, they towards the back end of the top 10. Yeah, that's not great, but it's another step in the right direction for them. Stenhouse, a ninth place run, Bain, an 11th, yeah, 11th place run for Trevor Bain. And how about Matt D. Benedetto driving for go fast racing 19th place run. That's a great run for those guys. That is the best finish for go fast racing on a non-restricted play track. Uh, D. Benedetto's had a really good year this year. Uh, he is only two points or one point behind Danica Patrick in, in, in driver points right now, which is stunning when you think about it. But uh, I think the Roush boys and Matt Benedetto deserve a lot of credit this week because they really had solid week. And Cole went 21st for uh, TriStar Motorsports. Another solid run for him as well. I think Matt Benedetto just keeps surprising people. I mean – the thing fell apart with BK racing. We know where BK racing is these days. And he went to go fast and they committed to him and he committed to them. And I think they're going to try to build something there. It's not like they keep doing with like go fast has in the past with seven different drivers filling the 36 races. They're doing one guy and they're devoting their energy to Matt Benedetto, And I think it's a good move that they've made. Cole Witt continues to impress me because he keeps doing well in what we think is lesser equipment. And mm-hmm. Danica just keeps being Danica where everybody keeps hoping <laughs> and praying and she craps the bed every week. And we just wonder how long it's going to be till the misery is put away. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, last point here, at Richmond, let's preview Richmond a little bit. Toyota owners, 400 new lower down force package. Um, first package we'll do here in the last minute, John, what do you think the package will do? And do you think Joe Goods Racing gets, goes to victory lane for the first time this year? What are your thoughts? I think the package will be helpful because it's day racing. We saw the difference between Richmond at night and Richmond in the day with the rain out last year, and it ran phenomenal on a hot day. And it's supposed to be in the 80s this weekend at Richmond. Um, you ready for my pick for the week? Sure. Clint Boyer. Wow. Clint Boyer has always run well at Richmond. Um except for when he had the itch on his arm. But he's always done well at Richmond. And that team is coming together. They're building momentum. Mike Bogoravich and Clint Boyer are starting to click. I really see the 14 finally getting back to victory lane. And Clint Boyer, just imagine the party that boy's going to throw. Well, and, and you brought up a great point with the arm itching. It would almost be like when Ernie Irvin, I mean, not quite to the extent, but when Ernie Irvin won at Michigan, um, after his head injury there, it would make everybody feel a little bit better. And Clint Boyer, especially because it was the track that sort of was the beginning and end of, of Michael Waltrip racing. I want to thank John Hollow from studiomedia.com and Lee from Virginia for the call tonight. We'll see you next time on Talking Circles. Good night.